you'll stand with me. I believe that I have a word from the Lord for you this morning. I believe it is a word that the Lord has been stirring in my heart for a couple months now, even before Pastor Sean had approached me and asked me if I would preach this morning. And I am honored. I want to give honor where honors due. I want to give honor to our pastor that uh, that he would trust me. Yes, my husband and I are on staff, but that doesn't always mean um, anything most of the time. But the fact that he allows me to stand in such a sacred place, the pulpit is such a sacred place, and I honor him that while he is gone, that he would entrust me to preach and to declare the word to you that I believe that the Lord has given me this morning. If you'll turn in your Bibles or on your device, I'm going to start in Hebrews 11, 23 through 29. And it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. I want to preach to you for a few moments, if you'll give me your undivided attention in the Lord, on a title, Trusting God through the process. If you'll bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you, Lord. We magnify you and we glorify you. God, I'm asking, Lord, that you just have your way this morning. God, I've already felt your presence, Lord. God, I've already felt your anointing, Jesus. So, God, I'm asking, Lord, that you hide me behind your cross, Lord. Let every word that I speak be ordained by you, Father. Lord, let me say nothing more or nothing less than what you once said this morning, God. Open our ears and our hearts that we'll receive, God, the word that you've given to us this morning, Lord. And we will never fail to give you praise. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Nicholas. As I began to study and the Lord began, like I said a couple months ago, actually using the word process a lot in my mind. I read a thing that says the association, this is the, Phil the um, Philadelphia's, Philadelphians, Philadelphia 76ers, let me just go there. Not a huge sports fan. I have a husband who is, and anybody that knows him knows that he is, so I didn't go to him for this. As I was studying, I thought, I just began to, to Google a few things, and this popped up, but it talked about, it says the association of trust the process with basketball 76ers goes back to the year 2013. See, in May of 2013, the team, the 76ers team, had a new general manager by the name of Sam Hinkie. See, Sam Hinkie advocated, and he put an emphasis on process over outcome in his first speech with the team. 
Under Hinkie's leadership, the team traded away star player Drew Holiday, Nerlens Noel, and a first draft round draft pick in his first year of being there. You see, this started their process of tanking or giving up short-term wins to, in order to get better draft picks for the future. Not everyone loved the idea, but some fans on Twitter started saying, in Hinky, we trust. Hinky himself brought up trust along with process. So in February of, two, of 2014, a sports writer by the name of Matt, he began to tweet, embrace the struggles for the rest of the year and trust Hinky in the process. You see, trusting the process won't always be easy. You see, trusting the process will make you wonder, how will it ever happen? Trusting the process will begin to make you ask, how will this even work out? Trusting the process will have you asking, how long will this take? There's times when God puts things in our heart, and it seems like God just bam. It just happens. He just does it. And then there's times in our life where God puts things in our hearts and we begin to ask God, are you going to move? Are you, you know, are you going to do this? Because we live in a generation, a microwave generation, we've heard that, where we can have things really quick. Bag of popcorn, two minutes, two minutes and 30 seconds. We pop a lot of popcorn at our house. So, you know, you can just pop it in the microwave and it's there. And that's where we get sometimes with our walk with Christ. We don't want to endure the process. We don't want to know if we want to trust God with the process. But what God is asking us this morning, are you willing to trust me through the process? You see, there are oftentimes it makes us wonder what God is doing. We begin to ask ourselves when God doesn't show up, in the snap of a finger, we begin to ask ourselves, did I even really hear from him? Did he even really speak that to me? Or we ask God, what's taking you so long, God? You see, sometimes the process seems long. Through the process, I believe he grows our character. Through the process, he grows our faith. God takes us through a process. And if we'll allow him to take us through the process, God will begin to show us. The question is that I have for you this morning, will you trust God through the process? See, we're talking about Moses here. We're talking about Moses, and I believe wholeheartedly that the process of Moses' life began with his mother. Moses' mom, I believe, was the first person that had to begin to trust God through the process with her son. So let's back up for a minute and let's talk about what was taking place before Moses was born. You see, Moses, before he was even born, God's people, the nation of Israel, was taken captive and enslaved by the nation of Egypt. After generations in Egypt, the enslaved Israelites had grown into such a large number of people. So much in large number that the new guy on the scene by the name of Pharaoh began to get a little bit intimidated, began to fear his position a little bit, and began to worry 
that these growing Hebrews were going to overthrow him and that they might would rebel against him. So this is what he said, and he told the people in Exodus chapter 8, or chapter 1, verse 8. It says, there's a little bit more to that, I'm sorry. It says, look, the people of, chil- of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. So here's Pharaoh. Pharaoh is beginning to get worried. He's the new guy on the scene. And he's telling, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. So he began to get concerned that they would continue to grow in number and that so much that he worried that they would get so big that they would get, that they would get with the, the enemies of Pharaoh and then maybe if a war broke out, he would come, they would come up against him. So you know what he did? He went to the midwives and he said, all these boys, kill them. Every boy that's born, kill them. And the midwives said, we can't do that. The word says that the midwives feared God. See, not a bad fear. People have forgotten talking about the fear of God. People want to associate the fear of God like that we should be afraid of him. It's not that I'm afraid of God, but I have. it's the kind of fear that says, God, I honor you. God, I respect you. God, I know you're bigger than me. That says, God, through the process, I'm going to trust you. You see, so here, to protect his power... We can read in Exodus 1, verse 22. And it says that Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save. So here the midwives aren't listening to him. Here the midwives aren't doing what he asked. So he went to the people as a whole, and he said, all right, I stand before you, and I'm telling you, if you see a boy, you kill him, and you drown him in the Nile River. Isn't that just like the enemy? When God puts people in your life that are surrounded by you, and the enemy tries to use them to bring you down, and they say, no, I've got them, he will go and find someone else that will try to come against you. So that's exactly what he did. He came up with this evil plan that was going to limit the growth of the Hebrew boys and the Hebrew people. So now Pharaoh has ordered all these firstborn boys, they're going to go. We're going to drown them in the Nile. So that brings us here now in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 where a woman gives birth to a son. In the New Living Translation, they don't have this, says, She saw that he was a special baby. And kept him hidden for three months. There was something so special about him. That she knew from the very moment he was born. She knew that God had a calling on his life. And she decided in that very moment, God, I've got to trust the process. I've got to protect him. I know that you have a plan for him. So I don't know about you. I think everyone in this room, whether you're a mother, whether you're a dad, whether you're a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a godparent, whatever you are, you know as well as I know to take a three-month-old baby from the newborn to a three-month-old, to keep that baby quiet would be an act of Congress. Then babies are hungry, they cry. Then babies are tired, they cry. Then babies need a diaper change, they cry. Those babies are colicky for some parents, they cry. So here's this mom. 
that says, I'm not going to do what Pharaoh has asked me to do because he is beautiful. God has a plan for his life. And so she hid him for three months. And she realized after three months, I can't do this anymore. I believe probably my version is she, she realized, I, you know, if, if I would throw a verse in there, she realized that I just can't keep him quiet anymore. And she realized at that moment, God, I got to trust the process. And so what she does is she being, beginning to realize I can't hide him anymore. So she went and got a, a, made a basket and begin to coat it with tar and pitch and just begin to prepare this basket. I don't know about you, but as a mom of three girls, if I thought any inkling that I was going to have to put my child down the Nile River or in anything and think that it's going to float, you got another thing coming. But you know what? She knew there was a process that had to take place. So then she began to place this child, her baby, she placed it down into the water and it in, in, into the Nile. And God, I believe, strategically placed, and the Bible talks about where the sister stood afar off. And she began to watch where her baby brother was going. Can you imagine three months old sending this baby down the river? What would have went through her mind, the risk that could have taken place? Would the basket float? Would it survive the Nile River, the currents of the Nile River? At one point in time, the Nile River in that time, crocodile. Would it survive a crocodile? And the most important question, would the baby be, hands, be safe in the hands of the Egyptians? So here was a mom that said, I'm going to release my son by faith. Sometimes we've got to realize that we've got to release some things on the inside of us by faith. Sometimes we've got to let God do some things and trust the process and release those things by faith. But see, the enemy will always try to make us think that trusting God and that the risk of trusting God rang loud in our ears. I can imagine the mom was the enemy going, he's going to sink. He's going to get caught in a current. He's going to drown. They're going to kill him. There's a million things that the enemy will try to, write, to allow in your brain that will ring so loud in your mind. All the risk of what if you do this and God don't show up? What if you step out and God doesn't show up? What if you decide to say this and God doesn't show up? See, the enemy will always try to make those things ring loud in our ears and in our minds. But see, she released her son because she trusted the process. Sometimes the process can seem impossible to process. Sometimes the process can seem impossible to process because sometimes our minds can't imagine what God is doing. Our minds can't fathom that what God, what is taking place and what God is wanting to do. And sometimes the process can make things seem a little crazy. Like, that's crazy, God, that you're asking me to do that. I think it would be crazy if, if someone walked up to you and said, hey, the Lord told me to, we're close, I mean, to me, I'm close, being from Cincinnati, in my mind, we're close to the Ohio River. I could not imagine, as dirty as it is, that, that someone look at me and say, okay, I'm going to put my baby in this Ohio River that has horrible currents, nastiest water, and I'm going to let it float. I'd be like, you're crazy. 
But see, sometimes God asks us to do crazy things. And it seems crazy. But the process will tell God that we trust you. Lord, we trust you. The process of Moses, I believe, truly started with his mother. To save her son, she put him in the basket. She placed him in the Nile River, trusting God to rescue him. See, from the river, Moses was picked up by none other than Pharaoh's daughter. She seen him coming down. She heard him crying, and she picked him up. Not only did she pick him up from the Nile River through Pharaoh's daughter, protected Moses from the river of death. Not only did Pharaoh's daughter pick him up from the river of death, But through Pharaoh's money, he provided wages for Moses' mother to nurse him. You see, it's part of the process. The very place that Moses was ordered to die was the very place that God rescued him. The very place that the enemy wants you to think that that's where you're going to die is the very place that I believe God will rescue you. But Moses' daughter had them as the sisters stood off. Because, see, God will plant people around, covering you, protecting you. There stood the sister, and she looked at one of her ladies, and she said, we need to find a mom. And the sister spoke up and said, do you want me to go get a Hebrew woman to nurse him? And she said, yes. Who other than did she get? She got Moses' own mom. So here is Moses' mom getting to nurse her son for around three years. Not only did she get to nurse her son, the fact that Pharaoh, the very person that said your son is to die, is paying her. Isn't that like the Lord? The very people that come up against you, the Lord will use them to bless you through the process. If you will just trust him, if you will just lean on him, he can bless you to the people that are cursing you. When we trust God through the process, he will provide for us. See, he not only saved Moses from the place, but Moses' daughter, like I said, had them get a, a Hebrew woman, and it got to be his mother. But the word tells us in Exodus 2.9, said, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So she did. She took the child. As I said, Moses' mother nursed him. He provided wages for her. He provided so much that Moses was raised as royalty. Pharaoh's daughter raised him in a palace surrounded with all these luxuries because his mom trusted the process. You see, was Moses perfect? No. Absolutely not. Moses was not perfect. Actually, as we read down, Moses actually murdered a man. Mind you, this child that the mom, his mom knew there was something special about him. Man, he made a mistake. He grew up in this palace, but the one thing he knew, he was a Hebrew. He was a man in a foreign land for many, many years at the start of his, of his life. You see, the Bible tells us in Exodus 2, verse 12, and it said, So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, 
He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So what happened? You say, darling, well, what happened? So Moses one day is looking down, and he sees this Egyptian beating on this Hebrew. And he did the next best thing, and he said, I'm going to kill him. A man that loves God, a man that knew God had put him in a position where he was, he decided to go down there and kill him. Probably not the best cover-up. Put him in the sand. Pharaoh, and, and so when he was worried, so now there's these Hebrew guys arguing. And he goes down there after he's just killed this man, and he said, this is my version of this, this particular chapter. Guys, what are you doing? You're down here fighting. You're supposed to work as a team. What are you guys doing? And they said, don't bother us. We've seen what you did to that Egyptian and where you hid him. At that moment, Moses knew. He said, if Pharaoh finds out, if Pharaoh knows what I did, he's going to kill me. Well, Pharaoh did find out what Moses had done, and Moses ran. See, Moses ran so far that he was in a desert place for 40 years. But see, that's exactly what the enemy likes to do. Isn't it like us when we mess up, when we make mistakes, we fall, we'll make mistakes, we will let the enemy, he will come in and he will beat us up. Oh, look what you did. God can't use you. God can't take you there. God can't speak through you. But see, that is exactly what the enemy does. And we will run and we will hide and we'll say, then I, I can't do that. I can't go there. And I believe that's exactly what Moses was doing. He was hiding and he was running. And see, we think it's easier sometimes just to quit, just to hide. But let me remind you, I don't care how far you run. I don't care how hard you try to hide. God will always see right where you are. God will always find you because God wants you to trust him through the process. We aren't perfect. You aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. If someone raised you up to tell you you were perfect, I'm sorry. Let me bust it to you now. You aren't perfect. We will make mistakes, yes. We will fail, absolutely. But God will never give up on us. The Bible tells us in Exodus 3, verse 2 through 5, and it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I believe God had to get Moses to a place of being alone. I don't know about you. Some of you may hike, some of you may not, but we're all walk past a bush, whether it's in your yard. The fact, could you imagine walking in your backyard and all of a sudden it's just on fire, but it's not consumed. And all of a sudden the voice of God begins to speak to you from it. That's what I'm talking about. It seems sometimes it can be crazy. Sometimes people can think, you know, we're a bit 
crazy because we're trusting God through the process. When we tell people, hey, why don't you do this? I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do. Sometimes to people that sounds crazy. But here is God speaking to Moses through a bush. God will speak to you. He will reveal things to you as he begins to take you through the process if you will trust him. You see, what was God telling him? He's telling him, I want you to rescue my people, Moses. Moses, I need you to rescue my people. And Moses begins to question God. You know, a lot of people being raised in church all my life, you know, you don't question God. And, and I agree. I don't think you do this like, God, what are you doing? But I think you can say, God, what are you doing? Help me to understand what you're doing. Because in Exodus 3.11, it says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God, who am I that you would want to use me? Who am I that I should go? You see, so many times through the process, we come up with all kinds of questions for God. We come up with all kinds of God, questioning God of our ability to do it. And we're, we're saying, God, but you can use them. And they sing better and they preach better and, and they do street ministry better and they do that better. And, and God, why, why would you use me, Lord? But see, when we can trust God through the process, when we can trust God with everything he wants to do, with every person he puts in our path, he will equip us for exactly what we need. And see, we find excuses to, get, to give to God. Does it mean that you're a failure because you're like, God, I, I can't do this. But let me remind you, so did Moses. See, God wanted Moses to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. But Moses is so afraid he's already doing what you and I do before we even done it. In Exodus 4, 10 through 3, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord. I am not eloquent, neither before nor since have you spoke to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So here was Moses telling God just why he's not the man for the job. Isn't that like us? Isn't that like us? Like I said, we're saying, God, use them. God, you know, you, they can do this better. They can do that better. We can find everything. And Moses is telling God, God, I stutter. But see, God sometimes don't need to be reminded of our failures and what we can and can't do. Because didn't he tell Moses, I created you. And Moses is trying to tell God, I stutter, Lord. Well, God's probably saying, I know that. Right? So many times we want to look at God and, and we want to tell God, but God, you know this about me. I, I don't speak well, God, or I, I, don't, I don't share that story as good as someone else. And God's saying, I know that. But see, God is not looking for you to come. When you find that you can do everything through Christ through you, 
then you've, you've, missed, we've, you've missed the mark. It's all messed up anyways because when it's through you, it will never draw people. It will never change lives. So here he is trying to tell God it's just easier to find someone else, Lord. To find every reason that God should use someone else instead of you. He was trying to find every reason that God could use someone else instead of him. But see, God didn't want to send someone else, and he got angry with Moses. God doesn't want someone else. He wants you. Isn't it Uncle Sam that says, I want you? What God is saying this morning, this afternoon, I want you. I want you to trust me through the process. I want you to trust me where I want to take you. I want you to trust me with everything I'm asking you to do. Was it easy? No. Because see, Moses asked in Exodus 5, because here Moses went back. Here Moses went back and he's, you know, that's the thing. Again, when we expect God to move quickly, you know, all right, we, we put on that, that front. Like, all right, God, we're going to do this with you. We're going to conquer this, God. And he went and nothing was happening. If anything, everything grew worse. They became harder. It got more tough. And so he, he began to ask God, in Exodus 5, through 23, and he says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? So here, right here, we can see. I've been raised in church all my life, and I heard for the longest time, don't ask God why. Again, I think you can ask God, and he's asking God, God, why, why have you brought? Why have you brought trouble on people? Like, God, what's going on? God, I'm doing what you've asked me to do, but, Lord, I'm not seeing it. God, why have you sent me? Am I messing up? Is, Is something going wrong? He says, why have you sent me? Verse 23 says, for since I came to Pharaoh, this is Moses, to speak in your name, he has done evil to the people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. See, when now here's Moses thinking, okay, God, I agreed to the process. I signed up and said, I'll trust you. But now I'm here and nothing has taken place. It's all grew worse. It's all getting harder. You see, it's easy in the moments when it doesn't feel like things are going to question the process. But I want to remind you of a scripture that actually Pastor Sean shared last week, Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorites. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. God wants us to be in peace, but God wants us to trust the process. God's plan is not to harm us. Exodus 6, 1 through 2, says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, He will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. See, at this moment in time, after this plague, after plague, after plague begin to hit. And he told Moses, he said, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. That's what we have to remember. When we trust God through the process, God wants to remind us today that He is the Lord. He is God. Moses led, after all of that, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. 
Not only did he trust God through the process of leading them out of Egypt, he led them across the Red Sea. You see, what looks impossible to you and I, what looks impossible to man is possible with God if we are trusting God through the process. We have to trust him through the process if Nicholas will come to the music. You see, God orchestrated this miraculous journey of Moses from the basket to the palace. Indeed, God rescued his people. If you'll stand with me, please. So to remind you about the 76ers coach, Sam Hinkie. Sam Hinkie says, this is what they said. They said, Sam Hinkie's slogan, trust the process, is used by fans of the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers, though it has since been popular elsewhere in sports and culture, coined during a rough patch for the team, it basically means things may look bad now, but we have a plan in place to make it better. You see now the 67, the, the 76ers are one of the top teams of the NBA today. The Philadelphia team is now one of the top NBA teams of today. They weren't in 2013. See, they weren't in 2014. In all reality, poor Sam Hinkie actually lost his job through the process. See, sometimes you're going to lose some people through the process. Sometimes you're going to lose some things through the process, things that you think you need. But actually, this year, they played in the conference championship game. They lost, but they had to trust the process to get where they are today. So again, things may look bad, but we have a plan in place to make it better. Things may look bad. Maybe things don't look bad for you right now. But maybe they will in a month. Because maybe you surrender to the process. I'm, when I say the Lord, I felt like the Lord had been dealing with me about the word process for probably the last two months. Some may know, some may not know. We're building another house and thought it would be easy because not that it was easy in 16 but it's definitely not been easy now and so as I go out there and I look at the house and it's taking forever every time I go out there I feel like the Lord just has been using the word and now I know why it's a process you see when we began to decide to do a basement because the way that our land goes, we had to pull back the dirt to get to a solid foundation so they could pour the footers and pour the walls on a solid foundation. And my framer brings in this massive machine to lift everything to frame it, which is fine. And
and he tells me it's 44,000 pounds. Well, the older I get, the more I realize I like things a tad tidier. And I don't do so well sometimes when I feel all out of sorts. I go out there and I'm looking at my house and I'm excited because, oh, the basement looks so good and it, the, the floor is not poured yet, but everything's looking so good and I'm excited and I'm reminded it's a process. And my framer gets out there, this big old machine, and all of a sudden, what looks good, what is looking like progress through the process, all of a sudden I start going out there and there are these big drivets in the ground that's honestly, if I stood in some of them, would be as high as my waist. It's not looking so good at that point. There's some complaining about how soft the ground is. Ain't nothing I can do about it. It's raining. It's cold. It's all this above. It's wintertime, February, March. But yet all I could think about was what a mess it was starting to look. And the house wasn't looking as good anymore. Sometimes you're going to go through things in life where it's going to look like such a hot mess. And you're going to go, God, I don't understand what you're doing. God, I don't understand why it looks like this. But I can promise you one thing. I walk out there now. My excavators come out and he's fixed the yard for me. It's not done, but there's a process. And every time we get a step closer, it looks better. It's looking more like a house. It looks better. It has a roof. It's got some brick. It's getting the insulation. It's slowly coming together. But if I looked at what it looked like at the beginning of this year, it was a hot mess. And sometimes in your life when God is taking you through a process, it don't always look good. It don't always feel good. There's some disgruntledness. There's some uncomfortableness. But I can promise you, if you'll trust him through the process, because eventually my house will be a house completely and whole that I will live in. But there's a process. Philippians, I didn't give them these. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The fact that he, that he says, he who has begun a good work in you. Not you who has begun a good work in you. Not your parent who has begun a good work in you. But he who has begun a work in you is faithful to complete. Psalms 46.10, one of my favorite. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will exalt among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The fact that you and I serve God that says, you know what? Just be still. As parents or people, all of us who have young people, children in our life, actually just me, I just, I'll call everybody if I'm having an issue with trying to figure something out and I got to call everybody and their grandma and say, what do you think about this? You know, sometimes I think Dwight just needs to tell me to be still. And see, sometimes God's just saying to us, be still. Just be still a minute. I've got this. If you'll trust me through the process, be still. See, Moses' mom, 
trusted God through the process. Moses trusted God through the process. So I'm asking you today, are you willing to trust God through the process?